So we have a, I'm a mover. We have that or this, your choice. I might, as an audio guy, I would always go with this. Yeah, I'm a mover, um, so. So you can put it on now. Seated. Uh, Jim, will you come and take the offering? Um, if you're a guest or if you have prayer requests, in the back of the seats, there's some little notepads that you can put or a note that you can write it on. Or in the back of the sanctuary, as you're going out the door, there's a black box. And there's places there for you to either give offering or you can, um, you can give us your prayer request or your information. So if you need anything from us, we'll be glad to contact you back and do whatever we can. Jim, if you'll bless the offering, we'll take it. As most of you know, uh, Jared is traveling. They have gone back to Kentucky to look at a school for Gracie and Josh. And they're on their way back. Last I heard, they were in about Cheyenne, Wyoming. So they're coming across I-80, I'm sure. Uh, Jimmy Horsley from Reach Church is going to deliver the message to us. So y'all welcome him. Come on up, Jimmy. Good morning. So you're going to find out something real quick. I speak really loud, so you might want to turn me down. If you've got hearing aids or other hearing devices, you might want to turn those down. I don't want to blow your eardrums out today. I am dealing with a little bit of some sinus congestion, so I might get a little hoarse after a little bit here, but we're going to continue to push through it today. Uh, I was given a two-hour time slot, so I plan on filling that here today. So I just hope you guys are ready for it, right? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But you're probably not going to beat the Methodist to lunch today. But you know what? you got a business meeting after church, so it probably wasn't going to work out that way anyway. So there you go. We're going to be in John chapter 21 today. We're going to be in verses 15 through 25. Uh, so as Jerry says, I am the pastor of Reach Church and and for the last three years, we've been going through the book of John. Yeah, that's right. One book of the Bible, three years. Yeah. So we spent six weeks on John 3.16. That's how much time that we spent to devote in the book of John. Why? 
I'm going to tell you something. If you're, a, if I'm, I'm uneducated, by the way. I, I just speak very plainly, okay? So if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's what you're going to have to deal with for two hours. So just deal with it, okay? But, uh, yeah, uh, but through the book of John, if you are a new believer in Jesus Christ, I recommend wholeheartedly that you read through the book of John. And I'm going to tell you why. Because John gives us an eyewitness testimony of the events that took place in the book of John. He's, he's like, guys, this isn't something that I heard. This isn't something that a story that was passed down to me from generation to generation. No, this is something that I witnessed firsthand. Hey, it, you know, if you were to stand into, into the court of law and you had to give a testimony or an eyewitness account on an event or something that happened, this is how John is giving us the book of John. This is the gospel of John. He's saying, man, I'm not, I didn't hear this. I seen this. This is why you're able to believe uh, because all the things that have been written in this book give a testimony give an account of who this jesus is and so that's why we spent so much time in the book of john because there's a lot of meat and taters in there there's a lot to eat in the book of john to grow us to feed us and man i you know we might not step back into the book of john for i don't know how long it might be three years before we get back in there again but i guarantee you i will never be done with the book of john when it comes to preaching and teaching who jesus is he gives it to us plain he gives it to us simple and that's why i like it I don't like to overcomplicate things. I don't like to hear the big words. I like to hear it simplified. Uh, uh, one of my bosses that I used to work for, he said uh, uh, he used to have that kiss uh, philosophy. Philosophy, he say, uh, keep it simple, stupid. Right? You know, we just want to keep things simple. We want to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ simple. Here it is, folks. Believe. Believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. This is as simple as we can get with this. And so we're in this last chapter today, John 21. We're going to be in the verses 15 through 25. Like I said, we've been going through uh, this book of John, and this is where we're going to land today. So you guys are getting the rough draft today. <laughs> it, it won't be any different for tonight. So if you come tonight to reach church, you're going to get this same sermon. I'm just telling you. And so this is what God has given me for today. Uh, I hear you guys are fixing to... Uh, 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 elect some leaders here today and as soon as i heard that i was like okay god now i know i'm here so we'll, we'll get into that here a little bit later uh, and how god has worked this out here today <clears throat> so kind of give you a little bit of backstory where we're at here in john chapter 21 we're post-resurrection right now jesus is jesus is alive amen we've just celebrated that in easter and uh, we just have went through that uh here in the book of john as well this is uh, a couple of uh appearances jesus has already made to the disciples and others and uh here is uh, one of those accounts that john is giving us here and uh john does this one thing amazing inside of the scripture when, when he's writing led by the holy spirit he begins to paint us pictures where they're at What's going on? The locations and different things. And John paints the picture here. Uh, they're on a beach, right? And this is what has happened is, is the disciples, seven of them, have been out fishing all night long and they didn't catch nothing. And so you have these professional fishermen who've been out fishing all night long and all of a sudden they, they're, they're standing there and this, this person is standing on the beach. They didn't know who it was. And this is what this person yells out. Hey. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Now, I don't know about you, 
But when I go fishing all day long and I ain't caught nothing, I don't want to hear nothing from nobody on the shore trying to tell me how to do my fishing. I want you to think about some of these guys. You got uh, Peter and Andrew, his brother, and some of these other ones. They were professional fishermen. This is what they done. Now, how, how would I feel as a professional fisherman to have somebody try to tell me how to fish? And this voice yells out from the shore, hey, cast it on the right side of the boat. I wouldn't have kept quiet. I'd probably be like, hey, you, you be quiet on the shore out there. You got, you're on the shore, I'm out here. But you know what? They listened. They listened. And what happened when they cast on the right side of the boat? All of a sudden, the haul of fish coming in, it was so heavy, they couldn't even pull it in onto the boat. Uh, and so what happens then is John, he looks out to the shore and he goes, oh, it's Jesus. And Peter says, what? It's Jesus. And so the way that they were fishing, they had to take off their robes and stuff. And so they were in their undergarments. And the Bible says that Peter rushed to put his clothes on. He jumps in the water. He swims all the way to the shore because it's Jesus. He's trying to get to Jesus as fast as he can. And so the other disciples, they're left bringing this big load, bringing this big haul of fish in. And if we look back at the scripture and even say, hey, I want to point this out. I just will point this out for just a second here. If you look back in chapter 21, uh, verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So the average fish in the Sea of Galilee is two pounds. There was 153 fish in that net. That was a 300-pound catch, not counting the net. Peter Hauled it in by himself. Peter's a brute. Peter's a man. I was going to point out that today. Peter wasn't no little sissy boy. He'd been a fisherman his whole life. He was stout. He was strong, right? And he pulled that net to shore. Let me tell you why. Because he was excited. His adrenaline was pumping. He's seen his Lord. He's seen his Savior. Guys, we need to get excited when Jesus is on the scene, when his presence. Hey, guys, you know what he says? He says, I'm going to abide in you. He says, when you receive me, I'm going to live inside of you. I'm not going to walk beside you. I'm not going to walk behind you. I'm not going to walk in front of you. I'm going to be in you. In you. <laughs> this is awesome. This is amazing. This is why we should be as excited as Peter. We should be dragging 300-pound nets up, folks, because we have something to be excited about. Man, for those of us who know Jesus, our sin has been forgiven for all of eternity. My mom can't do that. My dad can't do that. My wife can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Oh, I am so thankful oh, for Jesus today. Whew. We'll read the scripture here. Whew. Verse 15 says, So when they had finished breakfast, hey, the scripture starts out with a meal. Whew. Praise God. Whew. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple who Jesus loved following them. The one who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if you won't remain until I come, uh, if you, uh, I'm sorry, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say that to him, uh, that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Verse 24, this is the disciple who's testifying to these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if, if they were written in detail, I would suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you today for your scripture. God, we thank you today for Jesus. God, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, God, and that he laid his life down willingly for us so that we may have eternal life only found through Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life today, God. Let us know that. Let us rejoice in that today, God. God, we just ask your Holy Spirit, God, just to fill us and dwell in us here today, God. As we read and study your word, may we apply this today to our hearts and lives to serve you. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the story here in John 15, we see that it starts uh, to shift the focus a little bit. Peter comes into focus. He, he is the focal point here of Jesus. Jesus is talking to him. Jesus starts to ask him uh, some questions. John, throughout this book, he paints the picture. And right now, where are we at? Where are we standing? We're standing on the shore of a beach, and there's a charcoal fire. A charcoal fire. Why would John include a charcoal fire in this scripture? I want you to think back just a little bit further back in scripture here. We're going, we're going to travel through time today. And we travel back, and we're going to travel back to the night that Jesus, or the morning that Jesus is being put on trial right before the crucifixion. Uh, what happens is, is Jesus is, is uh, they come and arrest Jesus, and they take him off to Ananias and Caiaphas' house, his dwelling place. And there's one point in time uh, where uh, John and Peter enter into a courtyard. And Peter goes over, and he stands by a charcoal fire. And he begins to warm himself by this charcoal fire and this little servant girl comes up and she's standing beside him and she's kind of sitting there and she's looking at him hey aren't you one of his disciples no peter says no i'm not one of his disciples a little bit later on somebody else is asking him other questions hey aren't you no peter says no, I don't know this Jesus. And they were like, well, wasn't you there when, 
When Jesus was arrested, didn't you cut the... No, that was not me. That is not me. He denies Jesus three times. Jesus had told Peter that this was going to happen. He's going to be like, Peter, you know, you're going to deny me when I need you the most. You're going to deny knowing me. Peter was zealous. He was always one to be first to say, Jesus, I'm never going to leave you. Jesus, I'm never going to forsake you. Jesus, I will die for you. In John 6, it says this, it says, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. John 13, 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay my life down for you. And then when Jesus was about to be arrested, what does Peter do? He raises a sword and he cuts the ear off of one of the high priest's servants. He cuts the ear off of the high priest's servant. Peter, he was on fire for Jesus at this point in time, right? He would have done anything that Jesus would have asked him. He would have charged the gates of hell with a water pistol. He's like, I'm going to put all this fire out with this water pistol right here, right now, today. That's the kind of fire that Peter had at this point in time in his life. Or did he? Was it just words? Or did he really have a heart to follow Jesus wherever, through whatever? That's a hard thing to do. Guys, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's not easy. It's not simple. Guys, it, this, following Jesus isn't like this big parade of life. No, it's tough. It's hard. It's impossible without Jesus. Yeah, that's something we have to recognize today. That our walk on this earth as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, it's not meant to do alone. It's meant to do with Jesus living in us, through us. It's the only way that it's possible. It's not possible any other way. When we take all the accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we take all the accounts of the Gospels here, and we kind of start putting the story together about Peter at this point in time when he begins to deny who Jesus is uh, right before the crucifixion. When we go through the Scripture, this is kind of how the story unfolds. He begins to curse and swear Jesus. Yeah, that's what he, he begins to do. There's a part, I believe it's in Mark, where he says that, uh, where Mark says that um, Peter begins to curse and swear. I always just thought that he's just cussing, right? No, that's not what he's doing. He's actually cursing Jesus, saying, I don't know this guy. I 100% reject him. It is 100% the truth. I do not know him. At this point in time, 
that was the way that you pretty much separated yourself from somebody or someone or something that is going on. You curse it. You don't want nothing to do with it. And that's the proclamation that Peter makes at that point in time. He's like, no, I do not know this guy 100%. No, period. He begins to curse and swear Jesus. The rooster crows. Jesus looks at Peter. (laughs) Peter remembers what Jesus had said, that he would deny him. Peter leaves and weeps bitterly. (laughs) And now where we're at today, we have Peter who just sat down. He just ate a meal that Jesus had fixed for him and others. He had ate breakfast. There had to be an awkwardness to Peter. I want you to think about when you and another person are at odds. Maybe somebody you've been a friend with for a long time and something awkward happened in your relationship, a strain come up in your relationship, and then all of a sudden you meet out at public in the grocery store or maybe you decide to sit down and have a meal. It's awkward, isn't it? You, you start to notice doing things you've never done before. Like you kind of sit down and your hands can't rest right in your lap and you're just trying to get comfortable and you can't get comfortable because it's such an awkward situation. I can only imagine the awkwardness that Peter was feeling this moment in time with his Lord and Savior, Jesus, knowing that just a few uh, days earlier, maybe a week or two earlier, he had just denied this very Lord, this very Savior, who he just jumped off of a boat, swam as fast as he could to the shore to get to him. There had to be an awkwardness there. Where are you at right now with your walk with Christ? Is there something awkward with your walk with Christ? Is there something awkward with somebody that you live with or know on this earth right now? Think about that. Think about that. Is there something, is there a relationship on this earth right now that needs to be restored between you and somebody else? Or between you and Jesus, most importantly. Think about it kind of like in these words. Have you ever called somebody fat? And they heard you, but you didn't want them to hear you? Think about that. Have you ever called somebody stupid? And they heard you and you didn't want them to hear you? And then you have to go up to them and try to carry on a conversation and just act like everything's just normal. It don't work like that, does it? It's hard. It's hard. There's a strain. That kind of relate to you a little bit more? Have you ever been in that situation before? Man, I'm always opening my mouth. I speak loud anyway. Bonnie's like, you're not whispering. <laughs> they, they're going to hear you. Shh, shh. <laughs> yeah. It happens, doesn't it? It happens. What do you do? What do you do? This is what Jesus does. You can tell you what Jesus does with things that are wrong and sin in our life. Jesus confronts it head on. You know what we should do with sin in our life? We should confront it head on. It's exactly what Jesus is fixing to do here with Peter. He's saying, Peter, you know what? Here we are. We're back in the place where things went We're back in the place where things got messed up. We're back at a charcoal fire. 
this is our chance here, Peter. This is the chance that me and you make that relationship right, right now. We have to realize this. I want you to realize this here today about sin and love. I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself. But I want you to think about this. If we begin to minimize sin in our life, then we start to minimize the love of God. Think about that today. If we begin to minimize sin in our lives, then we begin to minimize the love of God. Well, what do you mean? If we go, you know what? I went and looked at pornography last night, and I don't feel that guilty about it. Not that big of a deal. Jesus saved me. Right? Not that big of a deal. Hmm. I'm just going to minimize my sin. Guys, we start to minimize God's love for us. Because God came and died for all sin. For all sin. Hey, here's the thing, guys. One sin separates you from eternal life from God for all of eternity. One sin. What does the Bible tell us? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you, that's everybody. So we are sinners. When we begin to minimize that sin in our lives, we start to minimize what God done for us with His love by sending His Son, Jesus, to die for us, to cover the multitude of sin. Jesus, talking with Peter here, what does He say? Jesus says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And He said to them, Yes, Lord. I know that I'm lo- that I, you know that I love you. And He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. You know what happened? Peter got upset. Peter got mad. Peter came, became grieved. Here's what I'm here to tell you today. So what? You should be grieved with the sin in your life. It should bother you. It should be a problem to you. Because it separates us. It puts a, a rift in that relationship with Jesus and God Almighty. That's why it should grieve us. That's why Peter should grieve. Because he realized the sin in his life. Guys, here's the thing. We think that lots of times that the people, the only people that have to deal with sin are the lost. That's hogwash. That's hogwash. There's church sin that we need to establish too. Church sin? Well, I've never heard of that. Okay, here's some church sin. I'm fixing to get down and dirty. Y'all ain't going to like me. That's all right. You ain't got to bite me back. I won't come. <laughs> when you decide, and, and guys, I, I'm not blameless on this. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to go hunting. Yeah. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to go fishing. Yeah. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to go I'm going to go to the ball game. Yeah. What's that, Lord? Do you want me to go share the gospel with that young man? Mm, nah. He don't look like my type of people. 
He got a tattoo. He's got a nose pier. He's got an ear. He, he's got, his hair's done different. It's purple. It's green. I don't know, Lord. I, I can't go share the gospel with him. That's church sin, folks. What is sin? Let's get to the root of it. It's doing things your way and not God's way. That is sin. That is sin. Yeah. So when you won't go and share the gospel with somebody, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do so, that's sin and you need to repent before Almighty God. You need to give him that sin in your life. Well, why is that important? Why is that important? I want you to think about what Peter is fixing to be called to do. Peter is fixing to be called to preach and teach the Word of God. There's fixing to be a day and time where Peter is going to stand up and he's going to preach a sermon and thousands and thousands of people are going to come to know Christ. But before Peter can stand up and preach, he's got to Repent of the sin that he has in his life. Guys, the only way for us to be effective in ministry, the only way for us to be effective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to get the sin in our life out. We need to repent. We need to turn away from it and give it to Jesus. Period. Period. we got to get that out of our lives, folks. How can we expect this community to change when we're seeing and coming short every day? When we mess up and come short, hey, we're going to. We are. I'm not saying you're going to live a sinless, blameless life. That's impossible. You're not Jesus. You're not. But what I'm telling you here today is you can't continue to go back day in, day out, all the time and doing the same stinking thing over and over and over again when you know it's not right and you say that you repent of it. True repentance is you turn and do it no more. That's the kind of life that we're being called to. Yeah, that's not easy. It's hard. It's impossible. That's why Jesus does it through us and in us. And it's the only way that it's possible. The third time, Peter, he becomes grieved to be asked the same question over and over again. Peter now knows that Jesus is indeed calling him out on his sin. And the reason he's grieved, (laughs) the reason that he is grieved is because when we look in our own lives, the sin that... The sin that we have in it, we should grieve. And we should grieve to the point that it draws us to Jesus. Don't sit, soak, and sour in your sin. Submit to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Peter would soon be preaching this very important message, the day of Pentecost. And at that point in time, his relationship with Jesus was broken. And it needed to be mended. Peter's sin needed to be forgiven. Peter, like many of us, has just been okay going on with the sin in his life and not having a, a repentant heart. But guys, for us to be effective in ministry, for us to be effective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be willing to ask God to forgive us of the sin that we have in our lives. The last time Peter was asked three questions in a row, he was standing by a charcoal fire But now Jesus is the one who's asking the questions. And it's painful. What's happening? Peter's been forced to own the wrongs that he has committed. The hurt to owning up to your guilt. 
is necessary for godly repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10 says it like this. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Guys, we got to repent of this sin. The world says don't worry about it. Well, you know what God tells us? Repent. Yeah. That's hard, guys. That's hard. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. How many of you like to be told you're wrong? I will fight sometimes tooth and nail, even though that I've realized that I am wrong at that point in time, I will still fight to say that I'm right. Paul says it like this. Paul says, I do the things that I know not to do, and I don't do the things that I know to do. That's what Paul says. (laughs) This ain't an easy life. Guys, this flesh, it's tough living this flesh. Because we have sinful desires and lusts of this world. That we think that this world is going to fill that void. The void that we have in our life is Jesus. We need more of Jesus in our life. Put a little bit less of the world in and more of Jesus in. Yeah, that's what we need to do today. Jesus not only forgives Peter, but he restores him back into the ministry. Yeah. People, broken, this is it. Broken people make great leaders. Whoa, what? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Broken people make great leaders. How is that? I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about now the sympathy and the empathy and the compassion that Peter is going to show the lost people of the world, number one. I want you to think about that same sympathy and compassion that Peter is going to show to believers that are having a hard time struggling with this gospel, having a hard time struggling with their faith in Christ. How much sympathy and compassion is Peter going to be able to show them? He understands fully what they're going through. He gets it. He's a sinner. He messes up. He comes short. He's not standing before them going, Oh, I'm perfect. (laughs) Too bad for you guys. No, that's not it. Peter can stand before them broken and say, It's Christ who mends me. He's the one who fixes my brokenness. He's the one that restored me. Peter was was broken, and now he is restored. He is renewed. He is fixed. And not by the standards of this world, but by the standards of the cross of Jesus. Yeah, that's the standards that we're talking about here today. It's not of this world. It's out of this world. Verse 18 and 19, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Once again, Jesus is calling Peter to the life of discipleship. 
Here, here, here we are where Peter was first called by Jesus into the ministry. They were at the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus finally or first came up to Peter. And what does he tell him? He says, follow me. Right? Take up your cross. Take up your life. And now follow me. And what you look at is you see that Peter, what did he do? He failed over and over and over and over again. You can't find a bigger failure in the Bible other than Judas. Yeah, you can't. Jesus says, I got a ministry for you. <laughs> I want you to think about that today. I want you to think about that today. Those of you who are sitting there going, oh, yeah, I'm too old to do ministry work. Oh, yeah, I'm too young to do ministry work. Oh, yeah, I'm too this, I'm too that. God can wipe and eliminate excuses that you got. Oh, my goodness. I used to come up with so many excuses. God, I can't preach. God, I can't do this. God, I can't do that. And all of a sudden, God started eliminating all those things that was going on in my life. I said, oh, God. We need to remember all things are possible <laughs> through Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to tell you something. When you start coming up with excuses of ministry, look for God to start eliminating those things. So you better be careful what you want God to eliminate in your life because he can and will. I, I, I am witness to that here today. Eyewitnesses. John gave an eyewitness of what Jesus can do. Hey, I'm an eyewitness too of what Jesus has done in my life. Yeah, too many times. Yeah, I'm careful what I ask for now. <laughs> I'm like, man, this prayer thing works. <laughs> yeah. Give it a try, folks. Give it a try. And know today, you're needed. You're needed in the spiritual leadership of the church. You are needed. Yeah, don't think, uh, well, they ain't got nothing for me to do. Oh, well, I guarantee you, something can be found for you to do. <laughs> I got faith in that. <laughs> he's saying, you know, he's, he's, telling, he's telling Peter, he says, uh, hey, I got ministry for you. Uh, and I'm making that call for you to die to yourself once again. He's saying, Peter, it's time for you to turn your life over to me fully. Commit. Submit. That was one of the things that uh, with the, when I put in the application for the North American Mission Board to come out here as a church planner, I told them, I said, one of the hardest things that you guys have on your website was it to fill out the, my name and phone number and all this other kind of stuff. I had to give them a whole bunch of information about any of the ministries that I've been involved in, the churches and anything and everything, right? But the hardest thing that I had to do is when I got down to the very bottom, it said submit. That was hard. That was the hardest word I'd ever seen on a web page before in my life. Purchase now. That was an easy one. Buy now. I could do that one. Uh, put your credit card here. I could do that one. But I'm going to tell you something. On that, NAM, on that NAM sheet, when it was asking me to submit, I realized the repercussions of what was fixing to happen when I hit that submit button. I knew what that was saying. Jimmy, you're selling out at this point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going, oh, Lord, I don't know about that. I closed that page three times. I did. I sure did. Just as sure as I'm standing here. Closed that page three times. I don't want to click that submit button. I don't know about that. But here's what I do know. Once again, ask God to remove the obstacles in my life. When me and my wife agree on something at the exact same time and place, that's God. And when I looked at her that night and I looked at her and I said, Idaho, and she said, Idaho, I said, that's God. If, if, if we can agree on something at the exact same time in the exact same place, I better submit to God. That's what I did. 
That's what I did. And you say, oh, well, that's you. You got a different kind of faith than I do. No, guys, it's the same kind of faith. Get this. My faith is not mine. Hmm. It ain't mine. It's the faith that God has given me. Right? What does Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say? Right? Yeah. That faith is not our own because if it was of our own, if it was of our own works, that we would boast about it. But it says that it is a free gift from God. Our faith is. So guys, don't go, well, I ain't got the same kind of faith you got, Jimmy. Oh, hogwash. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know what you just got to do? You just got to rip and let loose and trust God. Yeah. You just got to trust. Or, as I said, Submit. It's tough. It's hard. It's not easy. But I'm telling you here today, you are capable of doing the exact same thing. I'm, I'm not no better than any of you. Lord, you follow me around for 24 hours, you'd be like, God lets that guy preach. I'm broken, guys. I'm broken. It's Christ who mends me. It's only by Him that I'm able to stand up here and preach and teach God's Word. If it was in my power, <laughs> This would be a mess. This would be terrible. But it's only through Him. We even see here in the Scripture, Jesus tells Peter what type of death he will have. He's saying that there was a time that you went wherever you wanted to go, right? There was a time where you, when you wanted to travel somewhere, you just went there. There was a time where you had freedom to do what you wanted uh, to do. But that's coming to an end. Because you're going to be led to places where you don't want to go. What do we learn through the history of the church? Peter, where does he end up? Prison. Yeah. He was led there. People led him into the cell. People shut that cell door. And he was no longer able to go wherever he wanted to go. He was not able to do whatever he wanted to do. He was not able to wear whatever he wanted to wear anymore. His life was then controlled by the people who controlled the jailhouse. Yeah. Jesus was... Telling him that, giving him the foreshadowing of what was fixing to happen. Jesus then says that uh, that you will stretch out your hands. That Peter will stretch out his hands. What is that a sign of? What is that an image of? What is that a metaphor of? The cross. And what do we even learn about Peter's death? How does Peter die? Peter was crucified. Peter was crucified, but there's another part to that. Peter said, you know what? He says, I am so unworthy to die in the same manner as my Lord and Savior Jesus. He says, I want to be crucified upside down. Yeah. So Jesus is even telling him here. He goes, man, this is, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go to prison. This is what's going to happen to you. You're, not, you're no longer going to be free. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be crucified. But he tells Peter that his death will bring glory to God. That's what he tells him. Folks, this is what I'm telling you here today. Your death to self will bring glory to God. Guys, it's no longer our lives. You know what the Bible tells us? It's no longer us. 
but as he who lives in us. It's his life. We have died to our old self. What is the imagery of baptism? What is the imagery of that? That we're, we're being Lord, right? We're dying to ourselves and being raised in a new life where Christ Jesus is living inside of us. That old person has died. And now we are a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And what is our purpose? It's to bring glory to God. To honor Him and to praise Him. That's the purpose of our lives. When you decide to follow Jesus, that is the purpose of your life now. It's no longer your desires, your wants, your needs, where you want to go, what you want to do, but it's what Christ wants to do through you. That's the difference. That's a game changer, folks. Because when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in, God is glorified through that. When we begin to share and teach and preach the gospel. When we begin to teach the youth, right? When we accept those calls that we have in our life. Yeah. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you will have to take up your own cross and follow me. Literally, Jesus is saying the exact same thing to each and every one of us today. Before you, meet, for before you met Jesus, you had freedom to do whatever you want to do. You had a choice to do that. Before you met Jesus and had the freedom to go wherever you wanted to go. <laughs> That's over now. That's the call to the discipleship. That's what God's asking us to do today. It's no longer us. It's no longer our desires, but Him who lives in us. When we stretch out our arms, what's, what's open? Our hands. Our hands are open today. <laughs> what does that call? <laughs> Your hands are open. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean that I stand here where my hands are open? My time. I give my time to you, Lord. My hands are open here today. Whatever it is of me that you want from me, it's open to be given to you. My talents, my talents. I appreciate Tanner playing and singing, using his talents to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Oh, here's the one that's going to hurt, my wallet. Mm, oh, now you're meddling. Now you're meddling. Don't be messing with my billfold. But you know what? We're called to do that too, folks. It's all, it's every aspect of us. We don't get to hold anything back. Our arms are open. Did Jesus hold anything back on the cross when His arms were spread wide open? When He was nailed to that cross, He gave it all. He laid His life down willingly. The Bible says this, that He could have called down a legion of angels and they could have just snatched Him up off that cross. He could have wiped the face of the earth that day. But that's not what He done. Because we wouldn't have been restored. Because God demanded a sacrifice. God demanded a payment. And guess what? We ain't got the currency. I don't have it. I didn't have what was necessary to pay for my sin. And you don't either. And know this today. If you try to stand before, if you try to stand before God on judgment day and all you have is you and what you've accomplished and done on this earth, you're going to end up in a place called hell. That's just the truth of it. God is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. 
Yeah, the only way that you enter into the kingdom of heaven today is not by your righteousness, but through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the way that you obtain that righteousness is by accepting Him, believing Him, and receiving Him in your heart and life. That is the only way. That is what John 14, 6 means when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except by Him. Period. Yeah. Everything about you, it's no longer closed up. No, we're standing here with arms wide open today. And this is what we should say. God, use me. God, use me. Whatever that is, folks, and just surrender, submit. He says to follow me. It's the exact same thing he said to Peter three years earlier, but now through Peter's brokenness, he has experienced the tender love, mercy, grace only found in Christ Jesus. Verses 20 through 25, Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, following them. The one also who had leaned back on the bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord... And what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want to remain until I if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore this saying went out among the brethren, and the disciples uh, and the, that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die only. Um, if I want to him to remain until I come, what is it to you? This is the disciple who's to testify to things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. So here, uh, Jesus says to Peter, here's how you're going to do, here's what's going to happen, here's what's going to happen to you in your life, through your death you'll bring glory to God. Peter's like, okay, that's cool. And what does Peter do? He sees John walking by. And what does Peter say? God, you, you told me how I'm going to live life. God, you told me how I'm going to die. What about John? <laughs> Guys, if this doesn't show you the hum- humanity of who Peter is, there is not a better example. Because how many of you would have done the exact same thing? God, you just told me my purpose in life, my mission in life, my goal in life. But what about John? I want to know about John. What's he going to do? He's the one you love. Won't you tell me what John's going to do? Right? We always want to know about the other person. Here's, here's, what God, here's, what, here's how Jesus answers Peter. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Won't you worry about yourself? Won't you worry about following and trusting, you know, with yourself before you worry about John? Yeah. Folks, this is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My wife can't go to heaven for me. My wife can't stand before God and say, oh yeah, he's an all right guy. No, that ain't the way it works. So what does Jesus say? Peter, you need to worry about yourself. Guys, that's what I'm saying to you today. You got a moat in you, you got a speck in your own eye, don't worry about the moat in your neighbor's eye, right? Guys, you got to get your heart and, right, and life right with Jesus before you can start worrying about other folks, before you can start leading other folks, right? Down that pathway. 
Don't compare and worry about others. Jesus has enough for us to focus on what he has for us. <laughs> Man, we can't, we can't be bothered by what's going on in other folks' lives to the fact of, you know, we're trying to intervene and interfere and, and worrying about them, folks. We can't. We can't. God has enough stuff for us to focus on ourselves. For those of us today who are in spiritual leadership, notice carefully this. I want you to look back at these verses. Here we're going to skip back for just a second. In verse 15 through 17. Whose sheep are they? Whose lambs are they? Jesus's. They're not yours. They're not yours. Know that today, that in any kind of spiritual leadership where you're leading a Sunday school class, where you're over the nursery, whatever it is, folks, if you're doing something at the church, you're in spiritual leadership. I want you to know that today. So don't. Don't discredit anything that you're doing. If you're uh, working in the church, if you're out doing ministry, whatever it is, folks, you're part of the spiritual leadership team of the church, period. Okay? There's going to be spiritual warfare that you're going to be involved in. Satan is real. Satan is a liar. Satan wants to constantly deviate you from your path. Trust me. That's what he does. That's what he does. This group of people who's here today, you don't belong to Jared. Nope. As a follower of Christ, you belong to Jesus. Keep that into perspective today. You serve Jesus and not Jared. I'm not talking bad about Jared or down on him or anything like that. But it's not his sheep. It's Jesus' sheep. And that's what we need to put into focus the spiritual leadership of the church. They're not our sheep. But this is what God says that we are to shepherd them. That's what he says. We are to shepherd, shepherd his sheep. You know what my job is every Sunday? My job is every Sunday is to stand before a congregation of believers and non-believers and prepare a table. And prepare a table for people to be spiritually fed. That's my job. That's what God has called me to do. And throughout the week, I'm to call, check on those folks, and make sure that they're being led spiritually where they need to be, that they're being spiritually fed, that if they have problems or issues, then maybe I can guide them to a better place with their issues. It's always going to be pointing them to Jesus. Because they're his. Sunday school teachers, same thing. Youth leaders, same thing. Worship leader, same thing. Your job is to show them Jesus. Your job is to feed them this word right here each and every day of your life. That's what we are called to do. Jesus had been discipling Peter for three years. Peter has a sin problem. And Jesus does nothing but show him grace 
mercy, and truth to help him overcome that problem. Leaders today, keep that in focus as we are discipled and we disciple others. I just want to close out today with this. Last week, I made a joke. You guys wasn't privy to that joke, but this is the joke. Our, our fantasy as a pastor is that the people we preach to actually listen and remember what we say. That's our fantasy as a pastor. The reality of that, we know, is a lot of the stuff falls on deaf ears. I mean, that's just the reality. I'm not going to stand up here and be like, yeah, next week I'll come back in and say, oh, you remember that? you are like, yeah. No, it's not going to happen, right? That's the reality of it. Why does John write this? John tells us why he writes this. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John says this. He says, These these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, And that believing you may have life in his name. I don't know the hearts and minds of anybody that's in here today. That's only God. It's only Jesus. But I can guarantee you this. There's probably somebody in here today who's been attending services here. That you've been hearing about Jesus Because I know Jared's a much better preacher than I am, but I am better looking than him, so I can deal with that. And I know that Jared has been preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ week in and week out. My question to you today, I'm just going to be very blunt, I'm plain, I'm simple. What is it that's in your way today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yeah, that's the question that I'm going to ask you. What is in the way today? What is in your life that's keeping you here today from receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Believe. That's all you have to do today, folks, is believe. Church today, repent. Repent of your sin. In your life today, bring it before the throne of grace. Bring it before God and ask Him to forgive you of your sin. We need to be effective in sharing the gospel. And the only way that we're going to be effective, folks, is we recognize the sin that's in our life and have it removed. And it's only going to be removed through Jesus. So the invitation here today is... Simply this, I don't know if you guys come down to the altar and pray or whatever it is, but I want to invite you today, church folks, if there's sin in your life, and I know this is, this is how this looks, and I'm just going to go ahead and remove this out of, out of your way right here today. If somebody comes down here to this altar, they're going to be like, somebody's, they're going to think in their mind, uh-oh, they didn't think I done done something bad. I got to come down here to the altar and pray. Well, I'm going to tell you what today, if I see you at your seat, seat thinking that, shame on you. You need to be down here in this altar praying just as bad. We all have sin in our life, folks. But here's the difference. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to turn it over to Him. We need to let Him deal with that sin in our life. And here's an opportunity for you today here, church folks. Come down here today to this altar 
and ask Jesus to forgive me. God, forgive me of my sin. I, I've come short. I apologize, God. I just want to give this to you. Yeah, yeah. That's, and guys, that's okay for church folks to do. <laughs> we should do that. Here's, here's the thing. We should be the example for the non-believers. Okay? There it is, in a nutshell. And today, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is personally here today, here's your opportunity. Today is your day of salvation. You can come here today and ask Jesus to forgive you and believe that he is who he says he is. Take him at his word here today. Take him at his word. Guys, just believe. Believe. Make that choice here today to follow him. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you today for all that you do. God, what you will do. God, you're amazing. God, the love that you have for us. Yo, though we were yet sinners, you still died for us, Jesus. God, and help us today recognize as the church that there's sin in our life that, God, we need to get cleared up with you. God, it's what you've done to Peter today in the Scripture, God, that you forgive him. God, and not only did you forgive him, God, you restored him today. And God, not only did you restore him, God, you renewed him by telling him to follow you again. God, let us today be a church that asks for forgiveness of our sin. And just bring it before you, God. And you forgive us as far as the east is from the west, God. <laughs> that's, that's what you tell us. That's what your word tells us. My hope and prayer is here today, God, if there's somebody here who don't know who Jesus is, God, that don't have a relationship today with you, God, that they would decide to take up their life, to take up their cross, to believe today and follow you, God. God, for today is their day of salvation. <laughs> God, we just love you so much. God, we thank you. Thank you so much for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.